Welcome everybody to Talking Elite. And man, do we have a fun episode for you guys tonight. We are talking about the fall of WCW. So tonight's episode is going to be a very, um, not controversial, but to me very topic-based. And we're kind of going to dive into some of the issues that WCW had um, right before they were sold to Vincent Kennedy McMahon. So was WCW, like, were they, were they going to succeed if they didn't sell? You know, was it due to, you know, Ted Turner's network taking over, you know, kicking Ted Turner literally out of his own company and changing WCW? Was it Vince Russo? Did Vince Russo have, you know, a huge part in the downfall? Was it the NWO versus the NWO versus the NWO, the NWO Nitro Zone? So it's going to be a very, uh, very fun episode tonight for sure. Um, so tonight, uh, let me introduce you guys to, to my wonderful panel. Uh, tonight we have uh, one of the greatest minds of the All Elite Zone. He also lived through the Monday Night Wars. He is our educator. He is our Jim Cornette of the uh, All Elite Zone podcast. Please welcome Adam. Hello. Yes, the Jim Cornette, except less racist. Except for less racist. Oh, man. So just a shout out to you guys last night. So if you guys haven't heard already, go back and listen to our interview with Muhammad Johnson. Um, it is up on our YouTube page. And <laughs> that's all he said about Jim Cornette was uh, racist. So um, that was great interview, guys. I'm so happy you guys were able to do that. Um, I wish I would have been able to be a part of it. He seemed like a really cool guy. Probably one of the best interviews um, and guests we've had on the show. So um, that was awesome. Oh, he, was fan- he was fantastic. So we, we were excited to have him. Awesome. Well, I'm jealous. Hopefully we can get him on down the fu- you know, in, in the future. And hopefully we can talk more wrestling with him. Awesome. Next we have, he is the producer. He is the ringleader of the All Lead Zone podcast. He is the biggest CM Punk historian in the All Lead Zone podcast. Please welcome Connor to the show. Uh, it's great to be on. This is going to be a really interesting uh, topic. That's a good uh, introduction there at the beginning. Uh, a lot of ups and I see one of the comments. Lots of ups and downs in WCW. Uh, we're going to get into their into their fate tonight. <laughs> You know, and it's it's kind of sad because um, I've watched a few of the first episodes of Nitro, and I'm like, man, like I wish I would have been like, I wish I was yeah. a wrestling fan during that time frame. It looked incredible, like just the visuals, the atmosphere, the Mall of America. You know, being the yeah, first, you know, great. episode. What a great way to kick it off, and especially have Mister American himself. You know, Hulk Hogan. You know, in the main event. <laughs> Against yeah. big boss men of all people, but it worked. Yeah. It had buzz, you know. Um, yeah, no, I I remember that. I mean, I was shocked by it when I was younger, and I saw that. But I mean, I thought it was exciting. Yeah. Also, can't forget, you know, Brian Pillman. You know, God rest his soul was a huge part of WCW before uh, Nitro kicked off. In those first few episodes, I feel like Brian Pillman was almost like the Orange Cassidy. Uh, if you want to compare something now, he was, you know, the workhorse of that promotion until he left for, you know, until he left for WWF. Yeah. So, um, 
So before we kind of really jump into the you know, meat and potatoes of the episode, what are you guys' thoughts on WWE rewriting history? Now, um, I know Adam, um, I know he watched uh, last night the Dark Side of the Ring. And I will probably dive into that whole controversy of, you know, um, Bash the Beach 2000. Um, but do you think WWF rewrote history in their favor when it came to the WCW war? Or do you think it was all, or do you think they, or do you think a lot of it was correct? Um, well, as far as during the war going, um, for the, for the wars, um, honestly, I think it was a little bit of both. Um, I think WWE, WWF at the time, what they were seeing was what WCW was different and what, uh, uh, Vince Russo calls crash TV. Uh, where you don't give them a break, you know, you you flip to one thing to another, and it keeps the the watcher interested. I think WWE took note of that and said we got to do the same thing, um, but we got to reinvent it our way. I think they also nitpicked a little bit from ECW. Um, they saw that ECW was doing something. Um, heck, even '96 they cross promoted with ECW uh, for Monday Night uh, uh, Raw and. Uh, so I think I think what WWE did was kind of nitpick from both, but kind of do it in their own way of kind of rewriting their own way of how they're going to promote the uh, the product. No, and I, I totally agree because um, going back, there's a lot of um, friends of mine that, that love wrestling that were around during that time frame or were huge fan fans, especially WCW. Excuse me, and a lot of them were saying, especially. I don't know if you guys knew about the Mattel had a WCW ring and Nitro stage they had put out. And a lot of fans during that time frame were coming back saying, Hey, like, you know, WCW should have like they should have won the war. If it wasn't for WWE buying them, they would still be around. And that kind of brings up to kind of like a whole bunch of the issues that we're going to talk about now in the episode. Um, do you guys really think WCW, if they weren't sold to Vince McMahon, do you think WCW would still be around? It's an interesting uh, question because, um, you know, when they, uh, Air Bischoff was going to come back and retain all the rights and he was going to uh, be in charge again because, uh, you know, Vince Russo came in and then there was uh, Kevin Sullivan was the booker at one time. Then it just kept on going back and forth with bookers. But Kevin, uh, Air Bischoff was going to come back and take it over. But I remember, uh, you and you can have the rights, you can have the library, you can have everything, but we're not giving you TV time. Like they were done, like at that time, was it OAL? Like they were done with, like they didn't want wrestling on their product. They didn't want anything to do, anything to do with wrestling. So that basically ended it all. But I wish that uh, Eric Bishop would have retained it all and go to another network and would have continued WCW because. Uh, Watching the documentary, a lot of people were crying backstage when uh, Shane McMahon, when when that happened, because uh, a lot of people lost their jobs and their careers wasn't wasn't the same because, uh, this is jumping up far ahead, but they uh, a lot of people didn't make the cut in WWE and some uh, their their careers would have get would have went in a different path that WCW wouldn't have folded. But I would have loved WCW to still be around. Well, if you look at the ones that kind of stayed around that that survived, you know, 
I'm glad Sting never went to WWF because I feel like that yeah. would have killed his momentum. You know, yeah, we would have had a great match with The Undertaker, but as we saw at WrestleMania, you know, when Sting went up against Triple H, his only WrestleMania match, they squashed him. They, they beat Sting. That was like the nail in the coffin. That was like the last end of WCW. You basically beat everybody. You know, I think really the only one that was maybe booked consistent was Booker T that was still a WCW original. Other than that, you know, DDP was made to be a stalker and a creep. So one of your biggest baby faces in the company. A lot of them, when they when they got bought out, they just waited out their AOL contracts as they expire. Like uh, Hulk Hogan. Like they eventually came over, but they just sat out, sat home and collected a paycheck. Uh, Goldberg, Sting, a bunch of them. Uh, and I, I just listened to like a a uh, TikTok short of like Sting. And the one thing that really set him off about going to WWE was uh, it's on SmackDown and Booker T's the WWE champion. And like it was a thing with The Rock and like who the blue hell are you or something like that. And like that's when he knew that they were just going to trash WCW and trash their wrestlers. And that's when he made his decision, really. Yeah. Um, Adam, what was but your it turned thought? Out perfectly. Um, Adam, what was your thoughts during this time frame? Um, were you uh, a channel flipper flipping back and forth between uh, between both shows? Were you Team WCW, Team WWF? Uh, what was your thoughts of when you saw Shane McMahon on the Titan Tron and you saw that WCW was pretty much coming to an end? Well, for me, it was shocking. Um, but I, I was what you said. Uh, one night I'd watch a whole episode of Raw. The next week I'd watch a whole episode of Nitro. Um, there are some nights where I'd flip back and forth between both. Um, I know one particular night uh, because uh, WCW was always mostly live. And WWE back then, they did a lot of tapings. And so what WCW did, did different, and this was a brainchild of Eric Bischoff, was they wanted to give kind of like the giveaways of what WWE were doing on their show. So they would leak the whole show before WWE came on. Um, and so, I mean, the I think the big mistake, though, was um, with WCW, it, it does come down to the whole um, control of both creative and just and money of networking and all that stuff. Um, but the, but the biggest thing was creative and creative differences and where they were going. Um, and, and my thing was, I think WCW could have survived a little longer, not based off of money from networks and all this stuff, but also just creative. I think they lost a lot of fans over creative, um, and they were hurting, uh, for an audience and for storylines, um, and yep, Mac, you agree with me. Um, but yeah, no, I think I, I, I just, I just think they had too much going on that it just was their own demise. Uh, Ethan says they had too many boomers. <laughs> He's <laughs> not wrong. No, yeah. wrong. Not wrong. Are, I mean, it kind of uh, makes bookers baby boomers. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you look at it too, because I watched, because I know I was listening to the uh, Vince Russo interview, and this was actually a very polarizing interview because I have mixed opinions on 
I have mixed feelings on Vince Russo, uh, not as a human being. Like I separate the man, you know, and his family. You know, I hope he stays healthy and stay and has you know a long healthy life. Um, but he had a very interesting interview yesterday uh, on Busted Open, and he was mentioning how at the time your you know two of your bookers uh, were Kevin Nash and DDP, and having Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan with stipulations in their contracts, basically saying they could do pretty much whatever they wanted. That especially Hogan, Hogan could literally have to rewrite the whole show within, you know, within a few, within like a few hours or less. Um, It kind of brings us to one of the bigger points, um, Bash of the Beach, that kind of, and the whole build up to that. Um, If I remember correctly, um, was this before or after the finger poke of doom? This was after. Yeah. Um, so uh, with Bash so of the Beat, and it, it's mm-hmm. interesting from the episode yesterday because hearing it from, and I told you guys before we went on um, and everybody watching, and I told them your viewpoint of Vince Russo is going to change completely and your viewpoint of both Eric Bischoff and Hogan are just going to go in a direction of negativity. Um, because what had happened was, according to Vince Russo, he had wrote in the in, in the production group, there was him and like five other writers or producers, whatever. And they were all talking about who's going to be the next person because they were trying to get away from the old timers taking over the show. They wanted to show new young blood in WCW. Um, and unfortunately, people like Hogan Nash... Uh, Scott Hall or Bischoff, they were holding on to the old-timers kind of thing. So it was kind of this feud of the old-timers and the new blood. Um, and Eric and Vince Russo went to producers. I know I'm giving away a lot of oh, the man, Bash of the good. Beach, but, but you people need to watch it because it's great. Vince Russo went up there and says, who do you guys think, if you could put the world championship title on anyone right now, who would it be? And unanimously, all five of them said Booker T. So five writers in there said Booker T. So their plan for Bash at the Beach was Booker T versus Jeff Jarrett for the uh, WCW championship. What happened was Hogan, like you said, Lane, with his contract, he got a lot of creative control based on his contract with Eric Bischoff. Him and Bischoff were tight. And when Vince Russo came over from WWE, he, he knew there was some distinction and some 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 tension between him and Hogan and so they were going over the and Hogan came in and it was going to be Hogan and Booker and well before that we had to put someone else with Jarrett over and Jarrett was going to go over Hogan Hogan was going to give Jarrett the over unfortunately Hogan didn't want to do this so they wrote multiple endings to it uh, according to Vince Russo Vince Russo wrote he wrote two scripts uh, both to make Luke Hogan go strong, but still not end up walking away with the WCW title. Um, and in the end, Hogan and Bischoff basically cornered Vince Russo in the trailer, in Eric Bischoff's trailer, and basically said, this is what's going to happen. Um, and the whole idea was Hogan was winning. He would disappear for a few months. Then a tournament would be held for crown a new champion because he would take the title with them. Um, someone would be crowned the new champion until Hogan would walk out in the finals and say, no, 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 I'm still the champion. That was their story. Um, but Vince didn't want to put the belt on on, on Hogan um, because he wanted new blood. 
Um, Bischoff said that meeting never it never went that way, blah, blah, blah. Uh, here comes Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett was caught in the middle because he thought Hogan was putting him over until Vince Russo came in the locker room and told him, Hogan ain't going to do it. Hogan's not going to put you over. Uh, I want you to go out there, lay down, give him his title, and let him have his title. Basically saying, just screw Hogan, just do what he has to say, I guess. And Jarrett was confused on it. And credit to Jeff Jarrett, uh, he, very professional, because he said during that he didn't. He was still in the back when his music played like three or four times. And basically, he, he, he was confused. He's like, I don't want to go out there. I was frustrated. I go, how do I do this? What am I doing? And he's thinking about his family. You know, he's like, how am I supposed to feel about my family, you know? And so he finally goes out there, and Russo's out at ringside. And finally, bell rings, and it's the infamous Jeff Jarrett lays down. And Vince Russo tosses the belt in the ring and walks away. And you can hear Hogan get on the mic and says, this is the reason why this company is going the way it's going is because of BS like that. And he ended up putting his foot on Jared, getting the one, two, three, and Jared rolled out of the ring. Well, Vince Russo comes back and cuts almost a real-life promo um, about how about how real it is. He goes, because someone like a politic, politician like Hulk Hogan backstage is the reason why we can't do what we want to do. Um, and he basically called him a bald MF. He called him so many names. He says, he goes, you'll never see him in this ring again. He goes, but we're going to do it right. We're going to make it official. He's not really a champion tonight. We're going to have Jeff Jarrett versus Booker T. That's the match I want to put on. And that's what they did. Um, and so I, I think from that perspective, on that bash of the beach, like it just went haywired from there because a lawsuit happened. Hogan sued um, Vince Russo for defamation of character. And the funny part about this defamation suit was Judge looked at it and says, so you're a pro wrestling company and this pro wrestling figure is using your pro wrestling name in a promo on a pro wrestling show. And they're like, yeah, basically that it's yeah. So the judge saw it as a, like it's a character name. So it was thrown out. <laughs> like it was it's so wild. So, so the whole lawsuit was thrown out, but they, Hogan still sued, but, in the end, Hogan pretty much won money from the um, the um, the producer, basically AOL, whatever Time Warner, who was ever running it. The, so the president of that, he ended up getting out of his contract early and was going to sue them if he didn't get out, and he was going to get. So he got paid, but Vince Russo won the little fight. But overall, Hogan still got paid, and in the end, nobody won in bash at the beach and pretty much from there it just went to hell you know no stories were were going right and everything and obviously we can go to the whole um david arquette winning the world title like everything just spinned out of control after bash at the beach yeah because that was that was really part of the huge of the downfall and then you had almost everything going on when they were trying to catch lightning in a bottle again with the nwo and then just had what they end. They have the Wolf Pack. They have the regular NWO. They have the Latina World Order. Am I missing? Oh, Blue World Order. But that was ECW. Wasn't it a NWO B team or something? Or it was Wolf Pack. The NWO Wolf Pack. So let me ask you guys this: like, 
because I'm, I'm, I'm still learning a lot about WCW, right? Do you think that with the two formations of the, of the NWO, it just saturated their product? Do you think it saturated it? It kind of ruined what was so great about it? Over time, I think it did. Uh, especially with a lot of talent. Like, that was the reason Jericho when a lot of them left, because they're doing this, like, NWO, 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 NWO. Like, you already knew what you were doing, really. Uh, and basically, the entire show was NWO. Like, it wasn't even, like, who who can they even go against at this point? Like, the only people they had was Goldberg and Sting for a little bit, but Sting ended up joining. Yeah, because NWO. Goldberg, yeah. Like Gore was really the only one, but did did, did Bret Hart join the NWO? But because I knew Vince Russo had, because I knew he he had plans for Bret Hart to be in the NWO towards the end, but it didn't happen because of his injury. Yeah, I I can't remember Adam. Do you know Bret Hart never officially joined the NWO? Correct. I don't think he did. They were teasing it a lot in story, but I don't think he actually joined. Um, because that's where that's where the tail end of everything was going to crap was for the for WCW. Um, but I'm with Connor. I think it oversaturated WCW because you buried a lot of guys in the back based on what NWO Black and White would do against NWO Wolfpack. Because it started being you're on this side or you're on that side, um, and then later it's the old school NWO group versus the New Bloods which was another, which was the other NWO group was the New Bloods. So you had NWO everywhere. So you were oversaturating everything with New World Order stuff. Um, I think that also hurt the product a lot. Um, and it all stemmed from Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan's creative. Um, because after that, Vince Russo just um, almost like was done with WCW after that. You know, he's... You know, after Bash at the Beach and then, like, everything going on with NWO, he he pretty much was done. Um, and another interesting backstory on Vince Russo, when he left WWF, WWE, the reason he left was because the new show SmackDown came out. So SmackDown came out, and he was doing both. And he actually went up to Vince and says, he goes, bro, <laughs> you know how Vince Russo is. He goes, Vince, he goes, bro, we got to get another writer because I need to, I need to spend more time. Uh, with my wife and the kids like literally I need I want to go home because my wife needs help with the kids and I want to help her with that and I want to be closer because she's moving here and I want to move closer to that um and I guess Vince just looked at him this is according to Vince Russo Vince Russo said Vince looked at him and says why don't you just hire a nanny to help and in the documentary Vince go Vince Russo goes you don't tell a proud Italian man that you're going to pay someone to watch their kids. Like that's as an Italian, I felt more respect for Vince Russo. Then I was like, he's kind of right. Like an Italian wow. father does take care of his family. I mean, that's heritage. You can't, can't deny that. So that was the reason he came over to WCW because WCW was looking for that kind of like action that WWF was doing, you know, in the mid to late nineties. Um, but yeah, no, I think it was just the oversaturation of uh, NWO and the booking of Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan and his friends. And then your payoff was, and this is actually coming from Kevin Nash himself. Then you have where Kevin Nash beats Bill Goldberg via interference and using a taser. 
And then what happens? Instead of having this great idea to have a great feud with, you know, one of the biggest um, stars in wrestling, you go back to Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan pokes you in the chest, and you lie down. Per Kevin Nash, Hogan was the way to make money. If you were on, if you weren't on Hogan's side, good luck. If you're on Hogan's side and laying down for him, you're making money and you're having an easy ride in any wrestling promotion you were in. I remember uh, Tony Schiavone once said in uh, one of the documentaries I watched that more people who, like, people who were in charge had less. Uh... Can you guys hear? See no, you're good. Keep going. He was saying that a lot of people who aren't even supposed to be in charge have more in charge authority than the people who are actually positioned who are in charge, like Hulk Hogan, like the rest of us had more authority over than the people actually in charge, really, which that's not, uh, that's how people butt heads, you know, everyone's got their own ego that they want this way, they want it that way. And Hulk Hogan seemed like a very, uh, his way or the highway, I guess you could say. The thing is, you needed that star. And that's the hard part is Hogan was that first really big jump to the company. You know, yeah. Hogan, he basically Hogan literally ha- put in his freaking contract, you know, a hell of a lot more creative control than AEW gives its wrestlers. So when people complain about how AEW had the wrestlers had too much say, go back and like I said, go back and look what Hogan and Nash, look what they did to WCW. Cause towards the end, they really ran that company to the ground. Like Hogan was probably the, of course he was the one that got him over the edge of, of that 1995. But a lot of those guys didn't need creative freedom, like Kevin Nash and who else did they give creative control? Macho well, Man. It wasn't just really creative Man. control. It was yeah. more just booking ability. Like only a few people. Like I know how Ada. Like it's only like uh, Moxley, Jericho. They probably let the whole roster have creative freedom. <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it's and i agree with connor it's it goes back to that whole saying is that the old timers didn't want to let these new guy new blood like take over their spotlight i mean it's as simple as that uh so that's <laughs> kind of where i saw vince agreed with vince russo on something uh because vince russo like he said when he was writing he wanted to give new blood time you know new talent and all and just be like yo New blood. Let's let's get something different in here. You know, not these old timers. You know, like Hogan and Nash and um, you know Scott Hall. And uh, he goes, I wanted to push people like Booker T, Jeff Jarrett, Sting. Like he wanted to push all these guys, even though Sting's not a, a, a new blood, but someone who's not really prominently like featured in WCW when Hogan, Nash, and Hall came over. Um, and granted, they had a good run when Hogan came through. I mean, from ninety. 596 through 98, 99, WCW was owning Monday nights. They were literally beaten Monday. I mean, that's why that's why Eric Bischoff's podcast is called 92 Weeks. Yeah. Because because that's how long they beat Monday Night Raw in the in the ratings. Um, except I know what night that they lost the ratings and went back to WWE was when they spoiled that mankind won the title in WWE. And that's when everybody over that was their big mistake you're like you shouldn't yeah. have said that now people want to see that moment they just yeah. turned off your show because sometimes so, yeah, it really put them in the ass didn't it because sometimes it backfired because uh at that time like 
we like you say, Mankind won the WWE Championship. Well, they're going to go and turn on the other channel, see if you actually want it. But at that time, there wasn't really like what we have today, like uh, pictures and stuff and stuff like that. So like they're going to actually go watch it. So my question is, was there any other instances where that bit him in the ass? Because we all talk about Mankind winning the uh, WWE Championship, right? Can you guys recall a time where that, where like another segment that they bred off on live TV that screwed them? Talk about WCW? Yeah. I mean, I've already mentioned David Arquette. That, David that was, Arquette, yeah. I mean, that still is talked about today, even though David Arquette is trying his best to erase that kind of from wrestling lore. He's actually, he actually did quite a bit well of fixing it. Um, like I've mentioned to you guys before, if you haven't seen it, anybody's seen it. It's called You Can't Kill David Arquette. Mm-hmm. It's a great documentary. Um, basically, David Arquette's been a wrestling fan since he was a kid. And so, he, you know, he got into it, and they made this whole dumb story based off the movie Ready to Rumble where, <laughs> you know, he got involved and he won the world title. And a lot of fans were mad about that. They're like, that was the blackest day in WCW or pro wrestling history. It was basically the death of pro wrestling with that. Um, and that ate David Arquette up for a long time. Um, and then finally he got in really good shape and he's like, I want to give it a try one more time. I want to try pro wrestling one more time. And so he went into training. Uh, he actually trained with, uh, uh, Hollywood wrestling, uh, promotion. Uh, and his first match was against RJ city actually for that promotion. Um, but the documentary basically follows them going through backyard wrestling to uh, actually going to Lucha Libre in Mexico. Um, and he actually done he actually did so well in the Lucha Libre wrestling down in Mexico that if you don't know, it's an honor to wear a Lucha Libre mask. Uh, you literally have to earn that mask, you know, in, in Lucha Libre. And he did so well that at the end of the, the night when they did their matches, the, the luchadors actually presented David Arquette with a mask. They said, you did awesome. You helped, you did the Lucha Libre name proud. Um, but, you know, he, he really tried to redeem himself um, from pro wrestling. But again, it goes back that that moment in time in WCW when they put that world title on David Arquette, that also bit WCW in, in the ass. And really hurt them in the long run. Then you also got to remember too. Um, Jersey Eric Bish, he did a podcast interview with his uh, new book. But it actually, kind of goes into more details about also some of the backstage um, stuff with Ted Turner's network. Bischoff had a really great relationship with Ted Turner, but time once, warned, yeah, yeah. But once they kicked him out. And these new people got in. They started demanding, hey, we need we need to make the show more PG, more family friendly. You know, our competition's showing blood and being extreme. We need you guys to be more family friendly. We need you to do more families. And Eric tried fighting, saying, hey, like this is this is not right. We gotta keep doing what we're with our hardcore audience. We gotta keep giving them what they want because if we go this route, we will fail. Well, that's that's also goes back to the Dark Side of the Ring episode I just watched, uh, Bash at the Beach. Basically, they did kind of scoot Eric Bischoff out of the company and a lot of creative as well. But they were struggling so bad that it was actually Vince Russo that asked them to bring Eric Bischoff back. 
um, and said, I need help. You know, you need to bring Eric Bischoff back. He goes, I can't do this all by myself. So he was willing. Him, Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff were willing to work with each other. It just they didn't see a lot of eye to eye. And Hogan was Bischoff's boy. And then it does come down to the network where after the whole debacle, and this is on the Dark Side of the Ring documentary. If anybody wants to watch it, it's great. Um, but he based Eric Bischoff goes into detail that the night that they sold to Vince, that he was waiting because him and his company were ready to buy WCW. Really? They were ready to buy WCW and the tapes and, and the library and everything. Um, uh, basically, Eric Bischoff had the money ready. Um, I can't remember how much he said it was going for. It was something like this million and that million. Um, and then one of the reps called Bischoff one night and said, it's done. And Bischoff thought, oh, it's done. We got it. We got WCW and the tapes. You know. But in the end, they said, no, WCW is done. It's dead. Uh, they're selling it. They're out. Time Warner doesn't want it anymore. Uh, they're, they're moving on. They want they want to get rid of pro wrestling on their channel. Um, and that's when Vince McMahon swooped in and bought WCW. Um, but uh, but that but that's the whole debacle right there when it comes to companies like that. You know, like Time Warner and 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 million billionaires like you know Ted Ted Turner and his company saying you know we just don't want this product anymore. And now let's look at this. We jump ahead many years later, and AEW is on TBS and TNT, once owned by 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 Ted Turner. Yeah. You know, so it's just poetic justice, I guess. What well, could have been? Um, Ethan says he wishes Bischoff's team would have been able to actually buy it. And I'm curious to see what direction that would have gone. Like, what network could they have gone to? Well, yeah, I mean, you had a, I mean. At the time, too, and if you watch the Rise and Fall of ECW documentary, they talk about that they went to, um, they were going to go to Spike TV. You know, they were going to go to Spike TV, you know, the men's channel, and they were going to do pro wrestling there. In the end, WWF actually ended up on Spike TV a little bit. Um, WCW could have ended up on Spike TV. Um, so there's one channel they could have ended up on. But to, to go with you on that one, Lane, yeah, I, don't, I can't really think of any networks other than what WWF had with the USA and all that, that would take it, you know? So it's crazy. You know, it's crazy to look at who could, what could have been, you know, but of course the person that, you know, buys your company can rewrite its history. You know, look at, then if you look at everything that happened, look at, you know, Sting really, was it Starcade? Starcade where Sting should have been Hogan? Starcade ninety seven. So there was a lot of lot of signs that the company was heading towards a bad direction. Well, but again, and it, and like I said, it's gonna, it changes people's perspective of you know when you watch that dark side of the ring and basically seeing how much creative power Hogan had in WCW that he didn't have in WWE WWF at the time. You know, the byproduct of Hulk Hogan was Vince McMahon. You know, and Terry Terry Belua, however you say his name, it, he he basically ran with that character and made it. But it was Vince's baby. You know, he's like Hulk Hogan was my idea. You, I just picked the right guy to run with it, and Terry just ran with it pretty much till up till now it's for his whole life. He's still going, yeah, he's still um, he's still much. going with it. You know, you barely call him Terry anymore. People call him Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. 
And, and, and that was the funny thing is Vince Russo said that on, on the dark side. He goes, I had no problem with Terry, the guy. Like, I wasn't calling out Terry in my promo at Bash of the Beach. I was calling out Hulk Hogan. That's why it was so silly that Hogan sued for defamation of character when it's a fictional show. You know, it makes you really look at, like I said, it made, made me look at Russo, even like just listening to him yesterday, makes me look at him in a different light. Like, there's a lot of things I don't agree with Russo on, but, you know, looking at it coming from two pretty much egotistical maniacs. Vince is a huge egomaniac. And then looking at Hogan, right? Or at least the character of Hulk Hogan. You know, I get you want to protect your character, but I can see why he looks so badly on the wrestling industry. Well, it's not just Hogan. It's also Bischoff. Bischoff is another one of those egomaniacs, too. Bischoff, Bischoff had this idea of control over everything and, you know, when, when him and Hogan got together, they basically thought we're just going to build this monopoly of a wrestling company and basically do whatever we want. That was basically their goal with WCW. Unfortunately, you left a lot of guys out and you left a lot of guys with bad taste in their mouth that, I mean, the documentary even says Jeff Jarrett said he looks at Hogan completely different after Bash of the Beach. He, 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 he says, I look at Hogan in a way different way and it's not a good way that I look at Hogan. He goes, it was just that ego maniac control over creative because of he doesn't want to hurt his character, you know, but it's at the same time. It's like, dude, but you're hurting the industry when you don't let go. Um, it was the same thing with um, the dark side of the ring. I know we're getting off topic, but it was another yeah. one of my favorite episodes. Um, the dark side of the ring of um, God, what's her name? The, uh, the, the female lady, um, very, the, the old school lady that they, they talk about. May Young. May Young. Oh, May Young. Yes. Um, so the, the story about her, and obviously nobody knows about May Young. Uh, she's, she's been in the industry for a long time. She passed away. Um, but she was in the industry for a long time. Uh, she was basically the female pioneer of women's wrestling back in the day. But allegations came out that she was using female wrestlers and taking money from them, from their, their jobs and other promotions, basically saying, you owe me this percent. Um, also charging them for staying at her grounds for the wrestling school she was running. Um, she, there has been accusations that she pimped out girls to male wrestlers and promoters. Um, there were rumors that she basically uh, lowballed women wrestlers and told promoters, don't hire them, you know, take me or take this, don't hire this woman, you know, they're not worth it. So she wasn't really well known for being a nice lady. Um, but those are just allegations. Um, but she didn't want new young girls taking over her spotlight. Um, and I saw that. And that's basically what it felt like watching Jeff Jarrett talk on that episode about Hogan. But Hogan doesn't want his image, his his candle to burn out, basically, on his, on his run. And that was the same thing with Mae Young. I mean, Mae Young was the same way. She's like... I mean, look at her. She was in WWF all the way up until she passed away. She was always on WWF TV. Right. Uh, and the fact that they were almost named a, uh, the, you know, they they um, they named a tournament after her. Um, and then they, um, I, is it May Young? I think no, it's No, it was Great Muda. Yes, thank you. Yeah, 
I kept saying May Young. That's my bad. I meant I meant no, they're, uh, they're both yeah. very like pioneers. I meant fabulous Moolah. I'm sorry. Yeah. May Young, fabulous God bless Moolah. circle. I loved May Young. It's it's fabulous Moolah. Thank you. Yeah, I told the whole was, story, yeah. but it was Moolah. Yes, it was the fabulous Moolah episode. Um. So yeah. So that was the st- accusations against fabulous Moolah. They were going to do the battle royal, the fabulous Moolah battle royal, but they actually just called it the women's battle royal. Um, because of the allegations, but yes, fabulous Moolah. Thank you for correcting me. So um, was this kept me young. Um, before I get back onto the WCW topic, um, did this happen? Did they the allegations came out before or after Dark Side? They came out before. That's why they did the whole uh, that's why they did episode. That's why they did the whole episode on on Moolah because of these accusations coming out against her from different women. Even though some women are like, I've never had that issue with Moolah. But some women said they did. Um, so, I mean, who knows who's saying what? It's kind of like the, you know, with Bischoff, Russo, and Hogan about Bash at the Beach. Who knows the real, th- who's right, who's wrong, and who was telling the truth? Yeah. Um, I know Ethan um, agrees. Um, Bischoff didn't know what he was doing. Kind of like you're running a music company and you hire someone who knows nothing about music at all, but he's in high position of power. Mm hmm. No, I agree, Ethan. And yeah, it was it was at that point where they're like, you know, Bischoff was young, hungry to to be a, to to run this, to be a CEO of this wrestling company, and they gave him the reins. Um, he wanted to be number one, and he did it so ba- that he did it the way that he's like, well, let's get some names, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, he says, you know, someone said he said in the documentary, someone called him and said, hey, Scott Hall wants to leave WWF. And he came to WCW. And then the following week, Eric Bischoff got a call from Kevin Nash. He wanted to come to WCW. And a light bulb went off in Bischoff's head. He goes, well, here you go. If I can get these two, they're good friends with Hogan. Let me get Hogan over here. You know, and that was it. And Hogan was looking for a way out because after the steroid trial going on at WWE slash WWF, everything going on with him and, and Vince at the time, like it just – it pretty much just snowballed into this whole Bischoff as a kid with all these toys, but doesn't know what to do with them. Is that why a lot of people kind of make the comparison between him and Tony Khan? I, I think so. I think so. The only difference is, was uh, Tony, Tony has that support. Tony, you know, if there's a time he start, he's starting to get that support of creative. You know, at the time he was doing it by himself a lot. Yeah. But now you're starting to see where people are like, hey, let's help you out with creative. WCW is basically Bischoff saying, I've got me and these three guys. That's it. These are my three creatives, Hogan, Nash, Hall. We're just going to run everything. And we want all our friends to do this. We're in AEW. You've got people starting to come on the creative team with Tony Khan now. Starting off, Tony, you know, he, he had it run. There are some pros and cons to Tony Khan. Um, yeah. But but at the same time, there was that moment we talk about as fans. You know, he does need help with creative. And that's why it's nice to have, you know, you get producers in there like Jerry Lynn's in there. And you get people like, uh, um, I can't even think of his name right now, uh, Dean Malenko in there. Uh, you got people writing creative like Daniel Bryanson. You've got... Uh, you know, all these people coming on to write creative with them, you know, these, these people that actually are not just fans, but they know the business because they've been in it so long, you know, Tony, he came in, 
he's just a fan, but he started adapting to it. Whereas I feel like Eric Bischoff wasn't a fan of pro wrestling. He was just a businessman looking to get rich and do something to be number one. Um, now I'm, I'm worried because Tony does have that thing of, he likes to go off and run rants either in, uh, on his mouth or on Twitter. Yeah. You know, it's like, dude, Tony, you gotta hold it back. You know, you gotta swallow and just take pride and be like, listen, like, don't, don't feed other promotions this, you know, be like, oh, well, look, they're crybabies. They're mentioning us, you know, and it's like, Tony, just be prideful of what your product's doing. You know, yeah. I mean, you're about to do one of the biggest wrestling shows we've ever seen in, in Wembley. You know, it's it's and and so far we've got one match. This is your time to make it or break it. I mean, this event is I feel is a make it or break it for AEW and the trajectory of where they go. I have hopes, you know, I have really big hopes for it, too, because I feel like it's going to be a great pay-per-view. Um, it's going to have a good crowd. Um, and people have to remember that this, the UK crowd, they're, they're, they're just a wrestling crowd. They love wrestling. It doesn't matter if it's AEW, WWE, Impact, uh, you know, New Japan. They're wrestling rabbits. And the fact that they're getting a show like AEW where they're going to focus mainly on wrestling and not have stupid in-ring segments like some other promotions do at their show – they're going to have actual matches. Um, and and that's the thing. It's like, I want AEW to stick to that, you know, where they do pay-per-views and shows where it's mainly wrestling with a little bit of storyline sprinkled in. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what I'm taking off from David's comment here um, that happened in WCW is happening in AEW, sadly. And he is touching upon that a little bit. David is touching on that because I am starting to see some similarities with AEW to WCW. Only difference is, is AEW is, is freshly new and they're still growing big and stronger. Whereas WCW had been around since the early nineties after, you know, Jim Crockett promotions kind of were under and went to, you know, were gobbled up. And WCW yeah. was born from it. Um, but I think what we're looking at now is AEW has to stop looking at past promotions and, and pretty much do their own thing and not rehash what was going on in the old days of pro wrestling. You know, there's and, – and I kind of feel what David's saying. I'm still going to watch AEW because I love AEW. I love the stories they bring. I love the matches they put on. You know, but it's not to say I hate WWE. You know, I just prefer AEW matches over WWE's for the most part, you know? Of course. Yeah. As we kind of uh, start to wind down here, um, I do appreciate your uh, comment, David, um, that, you know, there's a lot of similarities that we're seeing, unfortunately, with the downfall of WCW that we did see, we are seeing now with AEW. Now, the thing is, though, last my personal opinion, especially with the MJF segment, um, him and his, Adam Cole's whole storyline, that that's been great. And then the mm. straight edge uh, CM Punk promo he did, you know, on Collision. Like, I think Tony Khan is saying, oh, okay, this stuff did not work. We're scratching it. We got to move on. Um, the hard part is, is he also put that comment out because Triple H took a shot at Tony. I'm like, okay, you've been yeah. taking shots at WWE the whole time, right? 
And, of course, WWE is going to write the Cody Rhodes documentary in the favor of you, Vince, WWE, and Cody. Okay. AEW, you know, yeah, WWE has the bigger numbers. But AEW, I don't necessarily say they're a second-rate company. I, I think they're a separate company mm-hmm. at this point. And I think Tony Khan needs to forget about what's happening in WWE. Just run your show. Just run your product, make it great, make it enjoyable. Because the last little bit, like you paid homage to WCW, ECW, some legends from WWF, which is great. But we also got to grow and move on. And hopefully after we have RVD and Jungle Boy, hope something else comes out of it. And we kind of, I don't mind mentioning ECW, but we need Jungle Boy to start having some different competitors besides a couple legends. Unless you're gonna go the whole legend killer jungle boy route. That's what I was saying last night. That uh that's what I was saying that this could uh like each week he goes against an ECW legend like uh he's doing Robin Dam, so we've seen Sabu in AEW, but maybe Tommy Dreamer or yeah. Bully Ray's talked about it. Uh Rhino's still active. Uh yeah. Blue Meanie does a little bit. I, I mean he was in AEW one time, that'd actually be pretty fun. Yeah. Uh I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, we were talking about just last night. Uh, I feel like Tony Khan saw the comment by Triple H and said, I'm not having another documentary come out of the Elite reuniting in WWE. So he got those contracts signed by the Elite. He got them signed back. Uh, well, you knew that was coming, though. No matter. But I feel like he got it done once. I don't I don't know if he did or not. But, uh, but yeah. I think we're closer to getting CMFTR and the Elite sooner than, than people think that they are because uh, a lot of interesting things have happened uh, with CM Punk walking out the E and then Mac Jackson's comment was kind of similar to that. Uh, I hope they've all made up and do what the benefit of AEW. Uh, you know, putting AEW over as a whole, you know. Uh, yeah, because it's the biggest storyline going into any wrestling promotion right now. Like, the, like you as a talent, yes, you may hate each other, but think about it. You literally could have a bigger storyline than the bloodline. Yeah, it could. Uh, bloodline starting to, that storyline starting to end. So it'd be the best time for, you know, think about it. They have the animosity. They keep taking civil, you know, jabs at each other. Dave Meltzer helps fuel that, oh, like the whole drama behind the scenes stuff to where you could literally be Jeff Jarrett and Kurt Angle and just blur the lines between reality and wrestling. A lot of those stories, uh, Matt Hardy and Edge, for example, that made a lot yeah. of, like, that's probably one of the best stories in history, in WWE history. It was based off real life stuff. Uh, and all in 80, was it 77,000, 80,000 people's going to be in that place. Uh, well, I got one match, but we got the main event announced uh, last yeah. night, uh, which I'm excited for that. Uh, I don't think AEW is in a. There's a course been bumps in the road, uh, but. I think Wembley is going to help them big time. I think guys like uh, Jericho is going to help them big time because he's he 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 worked in WCW. He knew what went bad there, uh, but the NWO like that's the reason he left. So. I have ho- high hopes for guys like Jericho. Yeah. Uh, help AEW succeed. Yep. So, well, 
Uh, well, before, I'm, I'm, also, I'm also with you on that, Connor, and just sorry to cut you off, Lane. But Oh, you're fine. Uh, yeah. so, another example I can think of is, I mean, Hart, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels hated each other, but yet they still work multiple matches with each other. Yeah. Um, in the end, it's a business. And if it's going to make you money and everyone's going to get money from it, it's got to be a business decision and not a feelings decision. Um, basically, hey, this is going to make a lot of money, not just for us, but for the company. So let's do it because a lot more people are going to make money here if we do this. Yeah. So uh, as we uh, start to wind down and uh, end the episode, and this also goes out to our people in the comment section, um, what do you guys would say would be the, was the final big nail in the coffin for WCW? Hmm. There's a couple of them. Uh, it's hard to pinpoint one. Uh, a lot of people say it's when David Arquette won the world titles when WCW died. And that's uh, what uh, and I'm talking about when you were off, fortunately. Did, did Vince Russo win the WCW championship? I think he did, didn't he? <laughs> I don't know why. Did they... Eric Bischoff as well at one point? All, all, both of them traded the title. Three bookers. Well, two bookers. David Arquette wasn't a booker. Uh, yeah, I think it was a combination of both the David Arquette, Bash at the Beach, and just the inability of creative for WCW. I think that was the killer um, where I think WCW went under. Um, and we can't forget the little honorable mention of the network. You know, I think yeah. the network um, the network was a big part of that as they were trying to get rid of pro wrestling off their network um, and didn't want to deal with WCW anymore. I see the yeah, before we get to our, our comment section, um, for me, I would have to say, I think for me, the final on the coffin was the network itself. Yeah. Because, like I say, because Bischoff, like, like Adam was saying, Bischoff had the money, ready to go, ready to buy everything and take it to another network. But TBS is like, no, you know what? We're going to sell it to Vince McMahon. He knows what he's doing. You guys obviously don't. And then, I know Vince is originally planning on revitalizing WCW, but the USA Network was like, no. It kind of, he kind of did a little bit. Like, do you guys remember during Raw? Like, they would have, like, they would, it's stupid, but they would like tarp everything off and then have WCW on Raw or something. Yeah, it would be all WCW. Because I think, because that was like the time he was trying to get it going again. But yeah, it's the dang network, man. Networks are weird. Weird bunches for sure. I wish they would have just sold Eric Bischoff because maybe WCW would have been around if Eric Bischoff were taking it to another network and rebuilt it in some way. Well, it was the, it's the same with ECW. If ECW would have found a network, I think they would still be around today too. Yeah. Yeah, because ECW is uh, WWE owes them a lot of a lot of stuff because it wasn't for ECW. A lot of their hardcore stuff would have never happened. They wouldn't, they wouldn't have gotten those ideas. Mm-hmm. True. Um, Ethan, I don't, I don't know if this is the comment Connor was talking about. Um, great way. I think a positive note to end on, uh, who was your favorite cruiserweight in WCW? There was a lot of good ones. Uh, between Eddie Guerrero uh, a lot of luchadors. That's what WCW did. They introduced a lot of luchadors in the wrestling. Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, yeah, Mr. JL, just Jerry Lynn. Yeah, you know, controversial here, but 
Chris Benoit. He, he was. He uh, was. I would, I would. I would have to go with Juventud Guerrero. Juventud uh, Guerrero. Heck yeah. Guerrero. Uh, Rey Mysterio was a really good cruiserweight there. Um, and Psychosis was good too. I mean, they, yeah, they brought Psychosis in because they, they brought in a lot of the cruiserweights from ECW. So you had Psychosis, uh, Juventud Guerrero. Yeah, that's really um, one of the things that hurt. Like, yep. That's what Eric Bischoff would do was he would take a lot of people from uh, ECW and make them because Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, Psychosis, Dean Malenko, he was just ripping them off left and right. Yeah. So uh, Mr. Jacobs, unfortunately, uh, was not able to make it on tonight. Um, his favorite was Rey Mysterio. Dude, so uh, he, he really started a bigger name for himself on a, at least on a national scale. Um, during WCW, and then just crazy how far him him and Jericho. If you think about it, him and Jericho have had the longest careers of anybody in that that WCW cruiserweight division. And I seen one comment that said uh, that I remember watching the WCW documentary, and like the, the last episode, like the final episode was really good. And they were finally they finally gave the title to Booker T. The, the moment they go out of business. And then, like it was, it was on a positive note. It felt like like Booker T was was it Booker T and Flair the last match, world title. Like they had a really good match. It, it felt like it was it was going in a good positive direction. And then it sucks like that. That's the way it had to be. Like they started figuring things out once they were closing the doors. Which um, that's the hard part. Unfortunately, which is kind of like today. I to make the comparison. <laughs> Yeah, WWE, AEW is WCW, and Impact is ECW. Uh, Pretty much. Uh, which I prefer, kind of like what Adam was saying, I don't, I still like some stuff WWE does, but for me, AEW is more of an enjoyable and watchable product. Uh, just going to be honest. Uh, you know, I don't wish them to go out of business, WWE or anything, but it's just not my cup of tea. Yeah. I think... Um... I think it's the best way to kind of close off the episode, but Tony Khan can make or break history at this point in time. You can either repeat the mistakes that Eric Bischoff has made and everybody compares you to, or you can go off, make sure Wembley stadium goes off without a hitch. Give us some of the best storylines going into it and out of it. Give England and Europe, a great way to say, hey, we're going to come back. We're going to sell the same amount of tickets or more next year. And I think, you know what? I think I think Tony's going to not make a lot of the same mistakes that Eric Bischoff made towards the end. I think Tony Khan's starting to realize, hey, like, we are making things – or, you know, changing things up, making things different. Um, so very, very great episode tonight, guys. Um, I really appreciate all of you guys um, in the comment section. Um, Oliver, um, appreciate you. That stuff, it's, it's, it's super crazy. Super crazy. Um, I love super crazy, yeah. yeah Ethan, his favorite was uh, Billy Kidman on the Cruiserweight, so thank you. Very underrated. Um, Ethan, um, thank you, everybody, for uh, watching Talking Elite this week, episode number 29. Um, it was a really great episode. The discussion was great. Um, if you haven't already, go watch uh, Vice's Dark Side of the Ring because um, it kind of helped this episode. It actually kind of came out at the perfect time. Yeah. So, a lot of good um, talking points. I'm going to go watch it as soon as we get off. Um, Connor, I did find it on YouTube, so I'll send you a link after we get off air. Um, I, the, uh, 
just one note like that whole story kind of reminds me of the cm punk stuff but in a kind of different it, it's a lot different but makes you think of some of the same stuff yeah. but uh yeah i'm definitely gonna watch that like that's a really no it's kind of ironic that we're doing this episode and that comes out yeah so um adam anything else you want to say before you get off the air uh no other than thank you guys for checking us out uh make sure you guys subscribe uh hit that like button share uh follow us on twitter we're spotify um I'm, I'm still trying to remember all the social medias we're on. So um, don't forget about X. X. We're on X. Yeah. X, X, X. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, never thought uh, we'd keep going and I love it, man. I mean, episode 29 and it's just going to get better from here. Yeah. We got a lot yeah. of big stuff planned um, coming up. Uh, September is going to be dark side of the all elite zone. So oh. we're going to be, we're going to be having a great um, basically four week series on similar episodes to Dark Side of the Ring and some more topics from scandals to allegations to a lot of the things that you see on TV and things that we haven't seen. Um, so it's going to be a really, really great month. Um, we're going to start writing that behind the scenes. So make sure you guys uh, stick around for that. Um, unfortunately, in the next couple of weeks, um, Talking Elite will not be live. I am so sorry. Um, I will be out of town. I'm going to Vegas next week. Um, for a work trip and the following week um, is my night at the fire station so I so we'll have to do a pre-recording um, so next week's episode is going to be a fun one as well uh, we're going to kind of before we start talking about the fall of ECW uh, that'll be in two weeks um, we're going to talk next week we're going to be discussing some of our favorite entrance songs entrance music pay-per-view music we're going to talk anything from Jim Johnson to Downstate to uh, CFO to all the songs that you see in ECW that were <laughs> kind of uh, illegal, illegally played. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be a fun show. Um, we're going to record that um, here this week, probably on Saturday. And then we'll have it out to you guys on Thursday. I'll be in the comment section. I'm going to try to um, in between um, my uh fancy dinner that night so i'll try to sneak on the comment section um other than that guys uh thank you guys so much uh connor adam you guys huge blessing to be on the show with you guys uh hope you guys enjoyed this episode um we are getting really close to 400 subscribers i think we're about 40 off at the moment so we're gonna be we're gonna be closing getting closer and closer to our 500 goals so make sure you guys like comment and share um we have some great episodes coming up here um, very soon with both our Rampage watch along, Collision watch along. Um, we have the Canadian All Elite Zone now that's uh, yeah. going well. Uh, are they having a show come out Saturday? Is that is that where our schedule is now for them? Uh, yeah, uh, every Saturday, uh, AZ Canada comes out. Uh, doesn't interfere with Collision. Uh, Two p.m. Central Time or three p.m. Eastern Time. Every week, a new episode of AZ Canada comes out uh so next week's gonna be very interesting uh we've tried to make the show different as possible uh yeah every saturday a another another new episode of aez canada comes out well awesome well it's been fun to have those uh guys up north um on the show it gives us a new taste of what things are like up north between us and Canada. So uh, thank you guys to the, to the uh, Canadian team. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on X at all elite zone one. 
Make sure you guys follow us on Facebook at All Elite Zone. Follow us if you're already here on YouTube. Make sure you guys hit the bell down below for notifications. Give us a like. Share us on all your social medias. Let people know, hey, this show's got some great topics coming out and doing great. So we appreciate your guys' love and support. Uh, we got some announcements coming up in the future, so make sure you guys stick around for that. If there's nothing else to say, we'll see you guys tomorrow night for Rampage. And Adam, say those famous words and close us out. And good night.